0: X-Men get it, X-Men get it, Come on get it, get get it, get it, get it, get it, This is the weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every X-Men story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And I really hope that everyone after, what, four, is it four, four weeks? No, six weeks of doing that intro, that everyone gets that the joke there is that Adam's name starts with an A and my name starts with a Z. (laughs) We all got that, right?
1: I think everybody's uh, figured that out by now. I hope.
0: Well, do you know what I figured out, Adam? What did you figure out? That... When this episode goes up on that date of August 6th, uh, it's one day away from our one-year anniversary as a podcast.
1: That is crazy. We've been doing this for an entire year, Zach. How cool is that?
0: I mean, it's, it's neat. Time kind of flies. Yeah. I wasn't expecting this to happen.
1: <laughs> you thought we'd give up by now.
0: <laughs> I mean, look, we, we have a goal that is unattainable and mm, i figured we just everything? accept that yeah to get everything <laughs> and i mean it i think it started a little bit it took us took us what like 10 episodes to find our footing yeah but well here's the thing i don't think people realize those first like six episodes we recorded within 2 weeks of each other and it was the first time we had ever actually spoken yeah I think we got
1: off to a pretty good start, all things considering, you know, Um, and uh, I'm glad everybody listening. Thanks for listening. And uh, I I hope that we've kind of found our groove as we've uh, gone through the year. So what do we have on tap today?
0: Well, on tap today, Adam, we've got three stories all about some different universes and times. Uh, I'll be honest, we did not pick the strongest, co- most cohesive theme for this episode, <laughs> but I think we got some fun stories, and do you know who those fun stories come to us from? Uh,
1: I believe we have a Patreon request, is that right?
0: It, yes, it is right. These stories, or at least one of them, the first one, comes to us from Patreon supporter Andrew Layton. So, Andrew, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you, Andrew. What did Andrew request?
0: Andrew requested a tale from Astonishing X-Men. But here's the trick. This ain't from the parts of Astonishing X-Men that we've covered so far.
1: <laughs> yes, this is not Whedon Astonishing. We, we're we're yeah. delving into uh, Greg Pak Astonishing.
0: Yeah, and uh, Greg Pak only did this one arc of Astonishing because it spun off into, uh, into its own book called Extreme X-Men, which is wholly unrelated from the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, This is Astonishing 144 through, what is it, 148, 147.
1: Is there a one there? I thought it was just 44.
0: Nah, they did not do 100 issues of Astonishing X-Men. I'm just, (laughs) yeah, it's just 44 to 47. I'm sorry.
1: I was just checking. I
0: didn't know if I had that We're just way off. After a year, you'd think we'd be good at podcasting. (laughs) It turns out we're actually very bad.
1: It is kind of amazing how many times you mess numbers up, Zach, given your
0: uh, field. Here's the thing. Okay, two things here. One, I write down everything that I have to say. Mm -hmm. I have a bunch of tabs open with all the details. I don't take notes, but I make sure that I have those details up and available. Two, in engineering, what you do is you write things down and you come back to it later. You memorize nothing. (laughs) I can tell you the basic laws of thermodynamics. And even then I think I'd get a few wrong.
1: I hear you. I hear you. So this is alien territory really. Um, (laughs) As is, as is, as a segue um, where Cyclops ends up in this arc. Uh, You mean in the arms
0: of his lover storm?
1: Oh yeah. It makes my skin crawl to hear you say that. And it absolutely happens on page. Um, But however, it's not, uh, our beloved six one six storm so uh maybe maybe it shouldn't make your skin crawl that much
0: well here's the thing this is a part of the bannered event regenesis which is the x-men books coming right out of schism mm-hmm. uh people didn't know where things were going to end up after schism in fact i wasn't reading the books but i was creeping around on articles and message boards and stuff about it and a lot of people were concerned that uh Cyclops and Emera were going to split up during this event. Like, they were going to be on opposite sides. This Mm -hmm. cover did not do anything but stoke those (laughs) fires.
1: Yeah, there's a bit of trolling going on here. Um, Which, you know, honestly, this moment of Cyclops kissing the storm, which is really just an alternate universe storm kissing Cyclops. Although he, he really looks like he likes it uh, seems to be about to grab a handful of, butt um, <laughs> in the one page splash, but really the story um, centers around an alternate world that needs Cyclops as batteries um, and is collecting all of the multiverses cyclopses to really save their world from blowing up.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't, So I don't think the plot is the strongest part of this book by a long shot. (laughs) I think it's a little, I think it's a little light. I understand the moral quandary that they're trying to present like Cyclops, you have to do this thing and subject yourself and then die or else all of these people are going to die. Like I get it. I don't think it's well executed, but do you know what I do think is well executed? What's that? Some of the alternate universe characters that they uh, introduce here.
1: Yeah, I I um actually felt compelled after reading this arc. I you know the arc's what it is, but I like the alternate universe characters in this so much that I've been reading Extreme X Men Volume Two and really enjoying it. Um, it sets it up kind of like as a a different Exiles crew, um, without sort of the Exiles, ban you know baggage that usually comes along with fixing a, a timeline or anything. Oh, that's hundred um, percent what they are. Yeah. So uh, what, do you want to go through the roster? Because it's pretty cool.
0: Well, we'll go from worst to best. Or let's say least detailed to most detailed. Because I think that's okay. those are both the same. Yeah, I'll start. We have not discussed this list ahead of time. But I'm pretty sure we're going to come up with the exact same ranking of these four characters. All right, let's go. Let's see.
1: I, I know who I'm thinking of in last place.
0: There is Shadow, who is an alternate version of Kitty Pride, who is... Ding, ding, ding she's just like kitty pride but a little bit darker yeah
1: she looks like maria hill a she's bit. in a jumpsuit and just chilling all right who's your least second
0: least well who's your second least i want to know i want to make i want to see if we got this list down pat
1: i was going to go with the emma frost because she really doesn't you know do much yeah she emma kind of there
0: emma line frost summers who is 100 percent there uh to make sure that cyclops understands that in some universe him and emma do settle down <laughs> though i do yep. like her design like she has a good uh, emma yeah. costume sure especially yeah, it's not bad especially when you compare it to the uh emma costume that uh 616 emma frost wears in a panel when they're both together it's pretty obvious who's got the better look
1: yep all right so i guess the top two are probably the uh the ones in, in contest here um i who's who's your number two here.
0: I would say my number two is Kurt Wagner, who is a little kid version of Kurt. Like little kids, he's like 12. He went to PS twelve fourteen in Brooklyn. He's essentially Kurt but Spider-Man.
1: Oh, I love his little Spider-Man uh, lunchbox. It is the most adorable thing ever. And he's sort of like a child genius you don't get that in this arc but then it it sort of comes out in extreme Um, yes and then i'm i'm guessing we're in agreement this version of wolverine is
0: great (laughs) oh hold on hold on are we talking about governor general james hallett of the queen's dominion of canada and viceroy of her majesty's (laughs) exposition to sri lanka or (laughs) shangri-la shangri-la oh i got that wrong
1: uh, you mean the same character who is, uh, his bones are coated in Admantine, Uh The, what is it? God's metal? Are you talking about, the metal, of gods? You
0: talking about the, metal the metal of the, of the gods? gods? Adamantine? Yes,
1: the metal of the gods. Yes.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Him and his boyfriend, uh, him and his boyfriend, Hercules, just kind of ruling Canada and fighting side by side. It's great. <laughs> He's fun.
1: Yeah. This also does set up the the central premise of. Um, Uh, extreme which is the idea that there are multiverse Xaviers that need to die um, because there is a room of (laughs) yes and in this this arc there's a lot of floating heads of Xaviers one of which becomes a character um, in extreme X-Men so I I feel like this works better as sort of like the first arc of that Mm storyline even though they add Dazzler to that that arc uh, that uh, book which I think is really cool Um, but you mentioned something online that that this is mainly also setting up some of the uh, sort of subtext for where people were supposed to be getting, you know, hints about what Regenesis was going to be. Like, there's a scene where everybody puts on a Magneto helmet, mm-hmm. including Cyclops, who looks straight into the camera. And it's like, OK, well, are we supposed to surmise that, you know, Cyclops is on a path towards Magneto-y yeah. uh, future? I, I don't well, know how much that, of this was is- thought out.
0: At this time, especially post-schism, there was a big thing that, okay, I guess Xavier is now uh, Wolverine and Magneto is now Cyclops. That's just the roles they are filling. And while there is a lot more nuance to both characters than that, and I appreciate that about those books, uh, there's times here where Greg Pak is making that comparison a little too overt.
1: Yeah, um, because, you know, the the central moral crisis here of whether Cyclops is going to save this world or not, or abandon it. You know, it's sort of like a villain's choice in a, in a slight way. Um, I also don't think that the conclusion of this story really makes a lot of sense. Um, some of the six one six characters just kind of like magically appear um, to help save the day. And I, I don't know, it, it's an odd It's not wrap up to uh, a quick story. I
0: mean, I'm not as I'm not as hot on extreme X-Men volume two as you or a lot of people are. But this is easily the worst part of that whole from extreme X or from this astonishing through uh, extermination. Not the one that's about to come out, but the one that has already come out. (laughs)
1: Yeah, like I said, I think this this would serve as like, you know, a, a nice mini just to get you uh, situated with the characters. But this, these characters, when they team up, it really becomes fun and starts to gel in the Extreme X-Men uh, series. So um, where would you rank Exalted on our grand list of 129 X-Stories?
0: So the first story that's popping to mind is exiles one and two which we have at number 82 right now which is Mm -hmm. our highest exile story
1: yeah the other is jeff parker's exiles one to five we currently have that at 93.
0: yeah uh and i don't know if it's better or worse than those two issues i think it i think it does more things that i enjoy than those two issues But it's not as tight. Like, uh, Mike McCone's artwork in this is very forgettable. The plot is a little odd and out there. But it introduces a lot of characters I like. So, well, two. It introduces two characters I like. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, and again, I like this because it introduced me to some characters that I wanted to learn more about. But do I want to revisit this arc? Not as much. So I'm looking closer to the lower ranked exiles, the Jeff Parker exiles that uh, that we had ranked previously. Um, I think it belongs, you know, a little farther down the list around, around there. Let's see, the right around
0: that we have Amazing X-Men 13 Charm School, which this is worse than that. Uh, that bar issue of Wolverine, mm-hmm. which I think is um, that, the bar issue is probably better you know I think this is probably a bit better for me at least than Uncanny X-Men 284 to 286 Into the Void where they do a uh, what's it called Judgment War but faster <laughs> <laughs>
1: But you're with Predators right um, alright so is it better or worse than Silver Age X-Men number I 1 think-
0: Here's where they're comparable, is that they both introduce and do a lot of setup, but they aren't the best parts.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're a slow beginning, mm, but right. one of these slow beginnings has Magneto okay. and Coloss- or not Coloss- and Cyclops and Jean Grey. And one of these has General Logan, who's cool, but is, by definition, derivative.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's our new 97?
0: I think that's a good place for it. This can be our new 97. Excellent astonishing x-men exalted which is spelled with an e guys x-men writers spell stuff with an x when possible (laughs) i had the same thought
1: at least a capital x like throw in that capital x there
0: yeah at least extermination is doing that. that's
1: right yeah it's an honest to god thing um all right so we've gone to an alternate world here um in this first arc so um where are we going next? Cause I believe we're going to continue to sort of cross through the time stream. Uh, in we the are.
0: We're going to go with some capers, uh, some cross time of... capers.
1: Oh, so we're doing, but no, not that one. Doing Excalibur. No,
0: no, no, we're not. <laughs> we're actually doing the recent arc of X-Men blue cross time capers. That's X-Men blue 16 through 20. Uh, it's written by, you know, Cullen bun with art on the first issue by Tony Silas. And on the other ones by Arby Silva. Mm-hmm. It's this is an interesting set of things. The uh the O5, the original 5X Men, figure out that the time stream is all messed up and they have to go through time to try and figure out what happened. So they go to a version of the 2099 universe, they go to a version of the Generation X uh timelines. I say timelines. That's that was just the time. Uh, And they go to a version of the Silver Age where they're from. And they realize that, do you know who's been mucking around in the time stream?
1: (laughs) Um, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast when we when we talked to Colin Bunn, but um, when X-Men Blue One came out and he had the coming attractions at the last page and it featured the Future Brotherhood, I smiled Mm -hmm. from ear to ear and really the best part, and I, there are a couple of things here that really shine, but the the best part here is the way in which just conceptually, I don't know if it's executed to perfection, but the concept is that the future brotherhood have gone back and replaced the Silver Age X-Men and are starting to like really wreak havoc. And I think that is a brilliant, brilliant idea, especially after Dennis Hopeless set up what I thought was a, a pretty Difficult thing at the end of um, uh, all new X Men, which was that you know the X Men have traveled back and seen that they're already there. How do you explain that? And the fact that Bun chooses this as a way to do that, I love it. I just think conceptually it's so smart.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good pitch. It's a lot of fun to mess around with, and for me, it's a lot of fun because. The stuff that gets revisited, the three big things being 2099, Mm -hmm. Generation X, and the future brotherhood are three things that I very much like. Like Generation X, (laughs) one of my favorite (laughs) continuous runs and one that doesn't get talked about enough Mm -hmm. Uh, because here's the thing about Generation X, it goes through like one bad spot with Larry Hama riding and then it's really good for like the entire rest of it until like right at the very end when it does some interesting things before they execute This isn't about generation X Uh, and then 2099, 2099 is underrated. It plays with a lot of concepts that other artists and writers would later be praised for bringing to the X-Men. Now they bring those concepts much better than they were originally introduced in like 2099, but it still is interesting enough that I want to revisit it.
1: Yeah, and he brings the entire team into the storyline. You know, their timeline has been messed up because of the Future Brotherhood too. So uh, whether we're dealing with the original 2099, something that's... We are
0: absolutely not. Yeah. I got mad about that. When I was reading, because because I'm the only person who's going to give a damn about 2099 (laughs) continuity. I was reading this as a, Cullen, I know you have all of these issues bound. Yeah. You know this is not how this... Oh, right. Yep that was a hint yeah that was a hint that something is wrong
1: yeah he definitely um you know loves I, and this was something that definitely got out of our conversation with him is that you know he loves bringing back these things that he personally loves as a reader and uh you can really feel um that adoration as part of the storytelling here um you know, especially when all three of those things converge because the the conclusion of the story involves the Gen X and the 2099 characters joining the O5 and kicking some future brotherhood, butt, and, uh, (laughs) it's great. You know, RB Silva is an artist who I've always considered, uh, you know, he's been doing X-Men since I think really the beginning of X-Men gold. Um, a little bit before that,
0: a little bit, but yeah.
1: Yeah. And clearly somebody who like has a great sense of layouts um, is kind of doing a Stuart Eminen, uh style. He's inspired by him. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like this arc, he, he definitely, you see some evolution in his style. Um, and there are some really, really great things going on here that I, I like a lot. In no, his he,
0: this is the arc that really sold him on me. Like, mm-hmm. or sold me on him. I guess. Uh, I, I've been a fan of his stuff, but, you know, not thinking that he was a top tier guy. I mean, honestly thinking, okay, he's a Stuart imminent clone and that's fine. Like if you're going to steal, steal from the best. Uh, but this arc, he really steps up his game and develops a bit of his own style. Uh, what I, as far as art, what I don't think works as well is issue 16 with a uh, Tony Silas, uh, doing kind of filling It's yeah. He's got a really... He's got a really weird look where it's very long, angular characters, and I don't think that necessarily fits the tone of you know, X-Men Blue, which is anchored by guys like Arby Silva and uh, Jorge Molina, who have a lot kind of lighter, I don't want to say cartooning, but a more bubbly kind of look to all their characters. If you're going with very basic shapes, mm-hmm. he's a lot taller and pointier. Yeah,
1: versus... Yeah, yes. less sharper. that's what people normally um, say. <laughs>
0: and
1: it's not as, yeah, and not nearly as detailed as what Silva is doing um, in his page work. So, um, you know, I, I love the idea of bringing back the the future brotherhood. And I think so far we've been talking about the idea of some of these things. Whether it all
0: gels, uh, oh, I think that's, is that's maybe fair. up for that's debate. Fair, this, is, um, this is a bit of a choppy story. You know what I mean? It goes... Okay, there's a problem in the present. We got to go time machine it. Okay, there's a problem in 2099. We get a tiny bit of information. We're going to go time machine it. Same in Generation X. Same in the Silver Age. And then they get the big, you know, climactic showdown in issue five where everyone fights. That's it. It's fun Mm -hmm. to experience these things. Uh, It may not be as tightly plotted as I would like. I think reading that originally as it was coming out, it worked, it worked a little bit better than it could have been otherwise because you're not getting five months of this. You're getting, you know, what, two months and some change of just boom, boom, boom with that biweekly schedule that Blue's are running on.
1: Yeah, I, I think you bring up an excellent point. You know, like this, this moves quickly. I'm kind of glad that it moves quickly. I don't want it to get dragged out over a year's worth of continuity. It hits its punchline, you know, relatively quickly. Um, So we figure out what's going on and then it gets wrapped up really quickly as well. Um, I don't feel like it, you know, lingers any more than it has to. And, uh, you know, I I think there's a lot to be said for putting these components together in a fun story that advances the O5's, um, you know, timeline because we are nearing what we're being told is going to be the ultimate resolution um, with the extermination miniseries so i feel like this is about as good a setup for that as you can get
0: yeah one other thing that i like about the setup in this is mm-hmm. you can tell how you know Cullen Bunn was saying on uh the interview we had with him a couple weeks back he likes long form plotting and you can see what he's doing with magneto in this story you get yeah. specific glimpses of things that have become explicit in the most recent arc about how he's fighting with this duality nature of him and how he, he views, you know, the evil side of himself through the lens of the most evil stuff he experienced. You get some of that throughout his entire blue run, but coming mm-hmm. back and seeing the seeds he planted, I have a lot more respect for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, and, uh, you know, Blue is a title that I... I and with Gold, the same way. I kind of I lapse in and out of it. And uh, when I go back and I read uh, some of these arcs, I'm like, oh, you know what? This is, this is grown. You know, this book is definitely doing more than I remember it doing when I, you know, maybe missed a, a couple of issues. Yeah. So um, I, I like this arc a lot. Um, where would you rank it on our list?
0: Well, the... It's funny that we're ranking both of these, uh, have ranked both of these recent stories on our list because X Men Gold Negative Zone War was running mm-hmm. concurrently with it. It's That's true. That's 16 through 20 of X Men Gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is better than Negative Zone War.
1: I do too. Which is I think it has a lot more fun going on uh, in it. In fact, um, you know, I'm looking just above that and I can see some parallels with uh, some of the the silly fun that you have with like X-Men versus agents of Atlas where there's, you know, some beautiful art, some really cool large spreads of just all these characters going at it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm looking somewhere in that general universe there.
0: Yeah. I think, I don't think this is better than that web of Spider-Man annual where Warlock becomes a Godzilla, which is at number 69. No. On our list right? yeah i wasn't
1: gonna go that high but i think i could be convinced to plug it above the extraordinary x-men ivx tie-in hmm that's the storm standalone story which is is moving but i think the art is better in this um and i i really like a lot of the the fun continuity stuff that he's playing around with here
0: yeah, I, I can I can live with that, because right above that is the stuff around Uncanny X-Men 275, <laughs> uh, which has just become an anchor point on this list. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I can see Crosstime Capers being the new number 71 on our list. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Now, this last one,
1: I i feel a little guilty about (laughs) because i'm i think well i think i was the one that recommended this right to go along with these
0: yeah this one's this one's on you buddy uh (laughs) here's the thing about the story we're about to talk about here's the thing about the stories we're about to talk about
1: there are some multiple things we're going
0: to talk about adam do you do you know in in the intelligence community do you know what they call it when you have an unauthorized covert action squad? <laughs> they say you got a wild cat. Um,
1: I'm gonna guess in the real world they might not call it a wildcat, but in this book they do.
0: <laughs> this is this is X-Men Wildcats or Wildcats X-Men, depending on uh if you're image comics or Marvel Comics. Uh this was That's a four issue cool. series. Uh Kind of unrelated things, uh it's actually split pretty interestingly, uh, because they mm-hmm. split it between the golden age, which is a essentially a pre-X-Men story, so it's a World War II story, the Silver Age, which is a Silver Age story, the Modern Age, which is a Bronze Age story, and the Dark Age, which is a future story. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm gonna be very honest. I ain't read a dang bit of Wildcats. I know Grifter's a thing. That's all I got. That's all I got about Wildcats. I know that they were Jim Lee's X-Men ripoff when he went to Image, just like everyone else had an X-Men ripoff.
1: I'm going to say this. Um, obviously, I'm at a, of a time when, you know, the Image stuff was blowing up, and you really had no choice if you were a comics fan to but to be excited about this stuff that was coming out. And... Strangely enough, the like rabbit energy that goes along with some of these titles, I think some of it holds up. The first, uh, arc of Wildcats is very weird. It involves Dan Quayle, actual Dan Quayle getting possessed by an alien, a Damonite? Um, who a Damon who wants to take over the world. Um, it, you know, I think it, it oddly does hold up, um, as does like the earliest Savage Dragon, um, you know, and, and some of the other things we talked about, the Max and uh, our Wolverine episode recently. Uh, so it is interesting to me to see the need to pull these two universes together here. And really, it's it's diminishing returns, though, unfortunately. Um, when I recommended this, I said that we should just do the Golden Age. Um, but I think we ended up getting copies of the trade paperback, which had all of it. And we just sort of bit the bullet and said, you know what? We might as well look well- at all four well, chapters of this. Here's how it really
0: happened. Here's how it really happened. Adam goes back and rereads this because he remembers it. Zach has <laughs> never read this in his life and reads the Golden Age and puts something on Twitter about it. And then someone posts, yeah, but how do you feel about that time that Grifter made out with uh, Jean Grey? And I said, excuse me? <laughs> I guess I'm reading all of these now.
1: I guess we're reading all of them.
0: Because <laughs> this is happening. Um... Let's... Uh, let's let's run down, uh, if you would. Let's go through all four of the stories, just very briefly. Hit the creative teams and just the five second pitch.
1: Sure. So how about you? Start uh, with the Golden the, Age. Uh, Golden
0: Age. Yeah,
1: the Golden Age is uh, well. Scott Lubdell writes the first two of these stories. Um, the art on the first issue is by Travis Cherist, who was working for Jim Lee's uh, Homage Studios at the time. Um, it's a beautiful, you know, quick kind of like, like you, you mentioned, it's a world war two Wolverine story instead of captain Marvel or captain America by his side. He's got, um, he's got vo- not voodoo. Um, he's got zealot, um, and they're hunting down this ancient scroll, right? Nazis obsessed with mysticism, whatever. Um, in the silver age, Scott Labdell is back and we've got, uh, sort of like, heroes reborn era jim lee and scott williams and you want to describe this because it does involve you know the grifter uh jean gray makeout.
0: okay so essentially jean gray gets very sad that scott summers won't admit that he loves her and she leaves the team for a hot second ends up running into grifter who is working for shield against his will and they make out for a second, and she says, wait, no, I got a boyfriend, kind of, sort of. He won't really say it. Let's not talk about that part. And then they go uh, they go fight a combination of the Brood and the Daemonites, who have infected mm-hmm. each other. Uh, and then Mr. Sinister's also there. This is where Madeline Fryer <laughs> comes from, by the way. We all know this, right? Like, in continuity, Jean Grey got knocked out in her fight against the Damonite Brood with Grifter, and then there was like and i'll take your dna i will use this later (laughs) so because of this there's a straight there's a straight connective tissue between wildcats and image comics and Mm -hmm. cable which is i'm it's interesting that's a retcon that is sticking in continuity for me it happened (laughs) it's not apocrypha you cannot take this away from me
1: Uh, So the modern age has a story by James Robinson and then uh, early Adam Hughes um, doing the artwork there. This one's probably the most straight up like team team up because you get the entire, um, you know, classic X-Men lineup teaming up with the original image wildcats lineup and it's basically a story about them battling the occult forces of the daemonites but um there there's all of these wink wink like hey you're my analog and hey you look kind of, you know you're you have claws like wolverine but you're not wolverine um that kind of thing
0: yeah this is here's the thing this is easily the worst story of the bunch i mm-hmm. would say it's for oh really i would not say would, this is the worst of the bunch maybe worst is the wrong word this is the this is the least <laughs> interesting story of the bunch. It's the one yeah. I would not ever want to go back to. Like the, okay. the golden age is beautiful. Uh, Travis Charset does a very good job making very pretty comic. The silver age it's got that Jim Lee stuff and it's got some bonkers continuity that I'm very into. And then the dark age.
1: Oh boy. Um, can, so can, can you explain the dark what age happens? Is... I can't at all. And um, it's written by of all people, Warren Ellis. Um, it's penciled by Matt Broom and inked by Sean Parsons. And it is sort of like a days of future past that involves future X-Men and a host of wildstorm characters um that are not just the Wildcats team. And boy, it does not make any sense whatsoever. I have no idea what's going on in the story. And a lot of pages, I have no idea even who the characters. Oh, are. no.
0: Um, uh, so imagine imagine this, you actually know who the Wildcats are.
1: I thought I did.
0: <laughs> I have no idea who half these characters are, because they're also dressed ridiculously. Can we please, can we please, can we please, can we please talk about what Wolverine wears?
1: Uh, please, share with us the majesty of Wolverine's uh, upper half. Here. So
0: he's not wearing a shirt, but he is wearing pants that go up to his... Uh, pectorals and then also nipple guards Mm. now it has been posited that he has sensitive nipples and he does not want them to chafe (laughs) and i can't agree with that because he's not wearing a shirt he's just wearing nipple (laughs) guards and a choker
1: oh boy and it is it is something to behold. The artwork on these pages is um, really, I find it difficult to look at. And there's, you know, these continual cameos of these characters who, you know, I really just don't have a grasp of what it is that I'm supposed to be getting out of this story. No.
0: Um, and I think they kind of blow up everything at the end to erase this timeline. Like they commit suicide to end everything, which seems like a weird plan like uh, it, it's you know, got
1: it's kind of like how uh colossus cured the legacy virus
0: <laughs> also doesn't make sense but that's fine exactly But there's like there's some weird there's like it's warren ellen's uh transhumanism just him spewing that out onto the page without it actually making any dang sense no nope. but it's interesting it's not good
1: yeah i mean this whole thing um will be of interest to you if you grew up in a time when you followed jim lee from his x-men run over to wildcats and maybe stuck it out um through you know the creation of the wildstorm universe but if you don't know what's going on with the non-x-men characters you're going to be plenty confused and you know there the artwork even here is just all over the place um you know, like you might think that like, oh, having Jim Lee and Scott Williams do one of these issues would be like a surefire hit. But this is like this era of Jim Lee that kind of feels like he's second generation Jim yeah. Lee. You know, like it doesn't feel like as true to even even to the quality of work that he's producing now um, or that he was back on on So it's a real mixed bag here.
0: Yeah, it's like, look, if you're interested, go read it. <laughs> It's weird. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I,
1: I We just can't promise that you're going to like get anything out of this because, you know, it, it's something that is if you're going to, you know, just find one of these books, definitely check out the Golden Age. Um, Travis Cheris draws beautifully. If you like just seeing like a Wolverine World War Two story. There you go. You got a really nicely, beautifully drawn one and it it's really well done. Uh the rest of it I could leave I could leave it immediately and
0: not revisit it ever. Yeah. So uh where on our beautiful long list are we thinking about dropping this group of very mixed stories.
1: Hmm. Well, if it was just the golden age, I might go a little bit higher, but I gotta say, like as a whole, this thing is a bit of a mess. So I'm looking pretty low. Um I'm tempted to, I'm kind of like glancing immediately around like X-Men Mangaverse. Uh,
0: Let's see, where's Mangaverse?
1: That's at 120. I don't know how low you want to go. So
0: I think the Travis Charset stuff makes it better. Oh, Uh, sure.
1: It's, it's a, it's a weird balance, right? About
0: all of it together is about as bad as that Spider-Man team up number one. Which we have at 114. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. I think Judgment War is better at 113. <laughs> okay. I don't. So that's my ceiling.
1: Oh,
0: Mangaverse. Mangaverse is. Is
1: this better than IVX?
0: No, because IVX has two good issues and a few okay, okay ones. Where, like, the best issue of this is probably worse than IVX 0 and 1.
1: Is it better than Poptopia?
0: I mean, I don't understand what's going on in the last issue about as much as I don't understand anything <laughs> in Poptopia.
1: Well, here's an interesting comparison. Heroes for Hope is at 119. And we've always talked about that as sort of like a, a really odd, you know, cultural moment of, you know, combining art and writing powers. And this has a similar vibe to
0: it. It think really it. does. And actually looking at this, I think I would suggest putting it as our new number 120 right above Mangaverse and right below Heroes for Hope because Heroes for Hope gave money to charity.
1: There you go. Oh, I like that.
0: (laughs) See, we're good people. We recognize that charity is okay.
1: Oh, that was nice.
0: Yeah, I think that can make Wildcats X-Men our new number 120. Okay. Okay. So
1: that's Three stories, we are, after a year of the show, we are up to 132, um, and I thought we would take this opportunity earlier today, I um, put it out to Twitter and saw, asked if anybody had any questions for this anniversary episode, so Zach, are you okay with uh, just sort of rapid fire going through some uh, some yeah, Twitter questions? Bring them,
0: bring them, bring them on, man. All right.
1: Here's our first question, and this comes from uh, Nir Ravel, who I believe is originally responsible for recommending Phoenix Legacy of Fire. Um, (laughs) So he asks, as the guy who suggested the second worst X-Men story on your list, my question is, what is the second X-Men comic you remember reading? That's a tricky one. Do you remember your second
0: X-Men? I talked about this on the show, and I don't remember which order I read them in, but I can assume because I got two of them at the same time. And I think the one I read first was Pizza Hut X-Men 3, which makes sense because it has like a full-out cover, and obviously I'd want to read that first. But the other comic I got was actually a classic – not classic X-Men. It's – oh, shoot. How did they title it? Uh, X-Men The Early Years, number four. It was a reprint of Ah. X-Men number four. Uh, So it's the introduction of the Brotherhood. Mm -hmm. And honestly, as far as Silver Age X-Men stories go, that's a good jumping on point. (laughs) It's where the X-Men really do first start to feel like the X-Men. So yeah, Mm -hmm. how about you,
1: Adam? Uh, I remember specifically that as a kid, I would get these, uh, I think it was the JCPenney catalog. They would send samplers um, through their catalog for Christmas. I remember getting them year after year. Um, So I think I distinctly remember getting the issue before Life Death, which was UXM 145. I think that was my first one. And then I also remember reading Classic X-Men 44 um, which is a, a great reprint that, that, you know, is that John Byrne summary issue, which hopefully will rank at some point. All right. Second question. Um, this comes from our good friend, Genetic Ghost. Hi, I know Zach said recently, a year ago, he couldn't care if he'd seen Shatterstar die in Deadpool 2. Has doing the podcast given you a better appreciation for all the weird fan bases, pockets of love for X characters and their stories?
0: For me? I think I had already gotten that since I had been doing the website for about two and a half years before the podcast started. Uh, but I definitely understand the experience. What I think has been more interesting for me personally is not the not the characters that stand out to people, but the stories that connect to people. Like this episode right now, uh, someone gave us money <laughs> to talk about <laughs> astonishing X Men exalted guys I read that story a couple of years back and I have not thought about it since like I went back and reread it for this episode but it wasn't a story that connected to me but for Andrew Layton it had a, it it was a touchstone for him it's something that he remembers and I know I've got the weird mm-hmm. ones that I remember on here too so that's what it's given me appreciation for it's that stories that you may completely discount and not even give a second thought, maybe someone else's favorite. So it's very interesting. Uh, How about you, Adam?
1: I think my answer would be exactly the same. I mean, I just want to add that through getting involved with this show, I feel like I've gotten deeper into the larger community of fans. Um, And it is amazing to me. Like everybody loves a character. Everybody loves a story and everybody has their own touchstone. So it's been fun to, uh, to learn about all of that. Okay. Um, uh, at Magical Matt 42 wants to ask us, uh, what is the romantic story of how you met and was there moonlight?
0: I don't think there was <laughs> moonlight, but this is how I recall it, because we will have different uh, different, uh, different takes on this. I was screwing around on Tumblr, because I used to use that a lot, because that's where my site was. And somehow, I came across Bish and Jubes. It had to be, like, the fifth or sixth page. Like, this is early no it had to be earlier than that because I was reading it a little bit before I did this and I eventually I reached out to Adam I've never met him before and said hey man uh super like your comic I run an X-Men website you want me to re-host it there and he for some reason said sure and then we just kind of stayed connected through that and through X-Men Twitter and then I think at a certain point i had thrown out a a pitch for this show essentially and adam i don't know how serious he was but said oh i'd love to do that <laughs> and then i didn't talk about it for three months and then i yeah. i was about to graduate uh, grad school and i was like hey adam you mentioned this offhand a while back are you serious <laughs> <laughs>
1: and i was i was because uh i definitely wanted to start doing a show um so uh that that pretty much nailed it i think that was a good answer um all right this next question i think is is directed at me um we know that zach's favorite quote-unquote worst x-men x-man is maggot but adam who is yours this comes to us from at mojo's work um I gotta say, I think after doing the show, I didn't even know about these characters, but I feel like I'm pretty obsessed with Jeff Johns Morlocks. They're pretty good. <laughs> so, um, we just had the Gifted season two trailer come out, and I'm pretty sure, like, I'm pretty sure I saw the postman there, and maybe that's just my internal bias. It could be completely somebody maybe- else, but I swear to God, if he's in season two, I'm gonna flip because I just think there's so the thing cool. about
0: Jeff Johns Morlocks. Um. Uh, do you know how many characters from that that four issue whatever have shown up in X Men media? I can think of yeah. like I think like three of them at least. Uh, Angel Dust was definitely there. Uh, sh- shoot, what's his name with the with the head? And I'm gonna I'm so mad. Uh, there, shatter. And I think there's one more that has shown up uh, in the Gifted already uh which would be i can't find a list of them but trust me
1: yeah they're they're clearly fans so i i don't think it would surprise us to uh uh to you know
0: see that character oh, trader, show up traitor
1: all right uh
0: yeah he's yeah. the, he's the truck driver are. in gifted who everyone just mm-hmm. assumes is a truck driver from gifted <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he's not yeah. or not originally all right, a uh, friend of the show, Luke Hare at Coltrag on Twitter asks, uh, and I'll I'll direct this. This is your um, area of expertise, Zach. Hey guys, which X Men eat vape pens like a normal person would eat a sausage or a hot dog sandwich?
0: Oh, warlock! Next question. <laughs> he can absorb them and turn them into life glow. Duh. All right. Who else would eat <laughs> vape pens, Luke? <laughs>
1: um all right this one's a little bit more difficult and i actually thought about this a little bit beforehand so maybe i'll get started while you um while you come up with your answer here but um at kid phoenix asked um what would be your dream x-men team written drawn colored by who and uh i i gave this some thought before we came on the air and i actually have three different answers um so i i have my never gonna happen ever uh answer which is I would love to see a monthly with Walt Simonson writing and Art Adams drawing every issue. Now I know that's never going to happen, but I'm just going to say it cuz I think that would be amazing. Um I think another more realistic scenario which I would love to see just to see what the heck would happen um even if it's not my personal like favorites, I would love to see John Hickman with Russell Dodderman and Matt Wilson on colors just to see what it would look like and, and what kind of a story they would tell. I don't even know if I would like it. I'm just kind of curious. Um, personally, though, I'm more interested in smaller scale stories. So I want them to continue working with writers like Matt Rosenberg and Leah Williams um, and you know people like Adam Gorham, going back to classic artists like Chris Boccolo and just keep using these folks for great minis, anthology style titles. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about X-Men Black. So that's the kind of stuff I want to see um zach do you have a dream creative x team
0: i don't know if it's a dream dream team because the way the way i kind of view it is that i am not uh what's it called uh yeah a professional uh, comic book boy so i don't really know uh the best way to do it but there's a couple things real quick that pop into mind that i think would be interesting not necessarily like fantastic uh, one of them would be uh, having Gerard Way write it, mm. because I think Gerard Way does some very interesting work, even though uh, he's very slow and has his own emo band to do. And then there is a artist who's mostly worked for Boom actually, but his name's Daniel Bayless. Uh, he did Ooh. he did a book that I really liked called Translucid with uh, uh, Claudio Sanchez and Chandra Eckert. Uh, from the band Coheed in Cambria and being the wife of the lead singer of Coheed and Cambria and kind of like an unofficial member of the band. Uh, and I think that they are just great. Uh, that book is great. And I think Daniel Bayless would do a very good job uh, kind of getting a, am I'm I'm really stealing from Doom Patrol here. I think he'd have that, he has kind of that same feel where it's definitely a comic book, but it has a lot of surreal elements to it. I think that would be a good story in the vein of Morrison. I think another one that would be real interesting, this is oddly enough, another current boom team is Kyle Higgins and Hendry Paraseta. They are currently doing Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for boom. And I don't know Ooh. if you guys have read that book, but it's shockingly good. I've
1: only seen some of the artwork. It's pretty cool.
0: Uh, Yeah. Here's Paraseta is a, uh, he is off. I think uh, they're doing a big storyline called Shattered Grid, which is the dream of every Power Ranger, (laughs) which is a good dream. Uh, Having them, you know, just all come together. And I think that's the, that's going to be the end of their two run on this book. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kyle Higgins has done, you know, Nightwing, Batman Beyond, a bunch of other stuff. I think he, they'd both be a very interesting team uh, because they can get that teen dynamic feel while still having some really exciting action and high concepts. And then one last one that I'm going to pitch and I'm pitching all these outside of the current Marvel roster for a very good reason. And that reason is because these are dream teams. I think mm-hmm. Steve Orlando in ACO uh, doing an X-Men book would just be dope because Steve Orlando has been re- writing some really, really good stuff over at DC uh, for the last little bit. And ACO's art. We got one issue of him on astonishing X-Men and just absolutely it, it gorgeous. was amazing it's it an he,
1: absolutely amazing go check that issue out uh,
0: yeah he did a uh he did a nick fury series with james robinson i think a year or so back mm-hmm. and it sold yeah. nothing it sold absolutely nothing <laughs> was it was a
1: shame it was gorgeous
0: yeah the story the story is also nothing the story is the story is set dressing so that aco can draw pretty things yeah uh, but they are very pretty so yeah those are those are my picks
1: those are very good. All right. Um, we're kind of running out of time, so I'm going to just do maybe like one or two more of these. Um, duh, duh, duh. All right. You get uh, Jordan White calls you up. This is from Matt Berkenziak, uh calls you up. You can green light your own X mini series. What do you want to do? Uh, I
0: want to. I want to do a maggot. I, I don't really have a maggot story. But I'm sure I'd come up with one. Like if I'm given the option, I'm not going to not do it. It's not even probably the best X-Men story. But here's the weird thing about me. I honestly like don't have a lot of like fanfic stories. No, wait, I've got one. I've got one. Uh, And it involves the essentially it's the grand grand pitch of this is the secret history of Ruby Quartz. Ooh. which would involve whichever Summer's family is available at the time to go into space and have to deal with a about-to-be-resurrected Vulcan who is about to come back through this the tear in the universe. Uh, that was created when he died in War of Kings. And then uh, it would also involve Slipstream and Lifeguard and Adam X <laughs> and a bunch of Shi'ar people, and there'd be a big fight, and Ruby Summer's would get pulled through this... Uh, cut in the universe, and so would a bunch of other alternate universe people. And eventually, the whole high concept is that they would have to sacrifice it by charging Ruby Summers with a ton of energy uh, to unexplode the uh, giant rift in the universe. And then her body would be sent spiraling through time and space and throughout all universes. And then she, her body would be Ruby Quartz.
1: You you kind of went from like zero to a hundred there,
0: Zach. Yeah. I went from
1: like, I don't have anything to like, wow, that was a great pitch. I, I forgot that. about
0: that one. That <laughs> entire, that entire pitch came from two things. One, I thought, you know, the general and kind of generic pitch of what about all the Summers people coming together? And then I thought, what if, what if I made a pun? about Ruby quartz. Cause I can't figure out where it comes from. And there's not a good answer in universe, except for it's in the ground, but that's not mm-hmm. actually what's in the ground.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's good. Um, if you guys have been, you know, following me for any length of time either on tumblr or twitter um you guys know that i have this uh obsession with um an idea called psyops x which is an all um psychic team of x-men basically the pitch is that um uh, rachel summers um, recruits psylocke the stepford cuckoos quentin choir and i also have a secondary mutation lined up for Artie. um so that they can go and get this takes place in the gap of time before secret Wars, so it's about them retrieving the phoenix egg for cyclops um so that's something that i've had bouncing around for a lot so you 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 know want to call me up give me the green light i'll do that one
0: here's the here's (laughs) the thing about that pitch and i'm just going to be very honest i did outline that once when i was very bored (laughs)
1: You did, and you did a great job of it. I, I enjoyed your take on that story, which was really cool. All right, um, there were a lot of great questions, guys, but um, we have to get to the last part of our show. So I'm going to skip to Matt Sibley's question um, because he will provide a good trans uh, a good transition here. That question was: Which story are you most? Lo- oh, is that right? Yeah. Which story are you most looking forward to debating? ranking. I don't think that was the actual question.
0: That wasn't, but the answer is Supernova's next question.
1: Okay. So, um, sorry, the actual question was, um, if you could each change the placement of one entry on your list, what would it be where to, and why? And this is something we've been talking about for a while is the idea of taking a moment and just taking your breath and saying, all right, well, do either of us want to, you know, kind of advocate for something to move around on the list?
0: Yeah, we talked about just reflecting on a couple of stories because the way these lists work, they kind of get away from you. Mm-hmm. And then somehow you have something placed at a certain point and you're like, I don't know if I can do that anymore. <laughs> so all right, go through. We each picked two. And mm-hmm. we're going to talk about re-ranking them. And I think we'll start with, uh, we'll start with some of the middler ones. Uh, so one that I had on this list was a story that we ranked pretty early in the podcast called X Factor Two Hundred Seven to 213's Happenings in Vegas, which is this whole thing about Rain and Shad- or Rain and Richter being pregnant, but Rain lying about it being Richter's kid, and then there's this whole thing in Vegas with uh, Hella, Goddess of Hell, and. Pip the troll, who's horrible, <laughs> and it's at number eighty-two right now. And I think there have been stories that we have ranked since that I actually like better than it.
1: Yeah, well, here's yeah, I think it's, I think it's ranked a little too high.
0: Yeah, what I what I'd say, and here's the rules that we set up for ourselves: we can only move it plus or minus ten spots. So the lowest this could go is as our new number ninety-two. It's 82 right now. Highest it could go is the new 72. Pretty straightforward. Uh, but Adam, what are you, thinking about this with some distance, what do you think about this story?
1: Well, I'm looking at the stories that are in between that. Uh, currently at 92, um, we have a day like any other, which is the um, Kitty Pride gives a tour of the school. Um, and we have, uh, all right, so I'll just go down the list. Exiles 1 and 2, Fatal Attractions, uh, X-Men Volume 1, 12, and 13, which is the Juggernaut story, Ultimate Spider-Man, Jump the Shark. X-Statix, Die Another Day. Spidey and the X-Men 1 and 2. Brood Trouble in the Big Easy. Glob Loves, Man Kills, and then Wolverine Cocaine.
0: (laughs) Here's the thing. (laughs) I I think this is defo better than brood, or defo worse than Brood Trouble in the Big Easy, which is if X-Men go on location and team up with people's story.
1: I even think I I like the cocaine story. I do too. To be honest.
0: I'm...
1: Fully comfortable moving this down to 92. That
0: is exactly what we're going to do. We are going to take this. What was 82 shall now be 92.
1: I think that's more than yes. fair. Um, you know, because, you know, we recontextualize these things all the time. All right. I'm going. What did you want to do next? Uh, we can... uh, did you want to do your other pick or did you want Let's me go to go with your
0: other pick? Or your your first pick, which was currently at one i I'm going to go with,
1: yeah, I um, have really held this opinion for a long time, but you know, I've kind of just been gently not talking about it, but there's nothing we can do. You know, like we don't have this option often. And I got to say, like in thinking about how I wanted to reorder things on this list, I didn't actually want to move around a lot. Um, I like the way that the list is shaped up and I don't have a lot of complaints about it. However, I would like to stand up a little bit for the new mutant summer special. Um, The more I think about the risks that Brett Blevins takes in this particular story and the visual complexity of what he's doing. um, I know that Nesenti is not everybody's cup of tea. Um, And that, you know, the story is definitely heavy handed, but I think it stands alone as something that I would like to revisit more than some of the other things that we have uh, above it. Um, And so I know that (laughs) we can only move it up to 105, but I'm curious to hear how far up you might be willing to go because um, we have... Uh, above it uh, the poaching story which we did from savage wolverine the death of colossus extreme x-men expose deadly genesis no more humans um the x-men volume 210 11 which is the long shot story the ultimate x-men sinister arc stairs <laughs> um stares. the the uh x-force shatter star and adam x versus arcade arc judgment war and spider-man team up number one I'm going to be 100% uh, honest. I would rather read the summer special and look at it more than anything I just said.
0: Here's my line. Um, Here's my line. I think this is because the summer special is just so dang incomprehensible. It's pretty. It's pretty. It don't make any sense.
1: Yeah. I'm not arguing that, but I I just think that it has more merit than some of the things that we have above it. So what would be your ceiling? This is
0: going to shock the world or the people who've been listening to this podcast for some time (laughs) i think deadly genesis is better i think deadly genesis is a better story i think this is i can i can see this having more merit than no more humans which is yeah just a weird story (laughs) it's interesting but it's weird uh so i think i'd have to say deadly genesis even if i don't like the story tells a story that's a real story and not just a series of political cartoons. Because you do mm. remember that summer special has the weird thing about the kids in the polluted swamp.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is weird. It is really weird. But if you're comfortable with it, I think it would make a better 109 than it would be uh, at I think, 115. I think you cool I with that?
0: Cool as a cucumber.
1: Great. I'm gonna move. So it's
0: 109 on. now. What's up with that? That's okay. great. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the one I've got. Um, yep.
1: This is number two for you. This, so uh, not not on our list, but your second, pick, second is... pick is? My second pick
0: is a story that I feel like, and I say this with all the love in my heart, that we got bullied into putting on the list besides we did. <laughs> <laughs> which is X-Men Collector's Edition 1-4, through the Pizza Hut X-Men stories, which I don't think are mm. bad, and I have more respect for them than I previously had. They are some of the earliest comics I've written or I've read, as I told you guys earlier. But I got some stories on this list that I like better. Like, like, say, I'm with
1: you. I'm with
0: you. Executioner song is better than this. Actually, right below that is X Force 19 through 24 Assault on Grey Malkin, which is the start of X Force being good. I
1: love that that's a great
0: yeah uh i think that's better i can
1: messiah war is better i think so
0: the the thing is excalibur mojo mayhem which is i like that i can i can all that's i think we can put it above mojo mayhem and have it as our uh 43 on the list if that works with you collector like go read those pizza hut x-men's but maybe Chris Sims loves them more than me. And that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> He's writing X-Men, or he wrote X-Men comic books and I didn't. So maybe he knows more than me, but it's my damn podcast. He has his own. It's our damn podcast. Excuse I think me, that's Adam. Right. I'm sorry. I get possessive sometimes. <laughs>
1: we got wrapped up in the Chris Sims fever on that episode. And uh, the Pizza Hut went uh, a little bit to our heads. We'd all had a little too much Pepsi. Um,
0: <laughs> uh, wait i'm sorry you don't get mountain dew when you go to pizza of the hut
1: <laughs> well if they've got the fountain out i'm mixing all of it you know yeah you know you got to you got to you got to take your life into your hands and, and get as much sugar as. oh you my can. gosh what's the what's the all last so pizza hut is all right so um another one that i think is too high um is something that I think I argued for going up a little bit higher than it probably should, and I want to bring it down um, because, given what's under it now, I just don't think that it holds up. Um, so I, I just I have a little bit of buyer's remorse on this, um, and that is X Men one to three, Mutant Genesis. Okay. Here's the thing um, about Mutant
0: Genesis. It's interesting. It's important. It's not bad but I think it's importance gets conflated with the fact that it's such a big story.
1: Yes. So I would like, I know where I want to move this and I'm kind of curious if, you know, if you're on board for I'll this, listen. Um, because will... below it. Yeah. Below it. We have some really, really great stuff. Wounded wolf, the brood saga. Look, I said it right. Everybody uh, life, death Two, life, death one, The first three issues of Generation X, one to uh, Generation X, Wolverine in the X Men 17, that weird dupe issue, um, the first X Statics run, and the Inferno New Mutants.
0: Which, by the Um, way, guys, that's in the top 25. We gave Inferno New Mutants a very good rep. If we're just going to call back the previous episodes.
1: Yeah, that's because it's fantastic. I want to slot Mutant Genesis above X Club. It would make it our new twenty-two. Something, Adam.
0: Um, That's exactly yeah. where I was going to put it. Because, oh, because all right, that the the first three issues of Generation X are stronger, and I like I like the I arc better, but I also like Chris Batchelow a lot more than the average person. Uh, I think that Doof one-shots real good. I think that first Ecstatics arc is real good, and I think Inferno New Mutants tells legitimately a more important and better X-Men story. And while I personally love X-Club, I get it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, I think those are some smart changes and I still think that the list really does hold up after a year. I I'm pretty impressed by, you know, revisiting it and saying, "You know what, a lot of this just makes yeah. sense." In fact,
0: what I'd like is people listening to this. Uh when this episode goes up on Twitter, Maybe drop a line on the whole episode thing, telling if you've got a uh, story that you think is too high or too low on this list, let us know. We're not going to do anything with that information, just to be clear. I might comment (laughs) on it, and I may be snarky. I know I probably will because I'm a jerk sometimes, and I'm sorry, guys. I have opinions, and I'm trying to be nicer. But, uh, yeah, let us know. Wow.
1: All right. This was a good you know
0: kind of giant size episode the way we put
1: this together this worked out
0: it did it's been it's been a crazy year and legitimately this couldn't happen without everyone who supports it so let's go down the list first and foremost the people on patreon there's been a ton of you uh, throughout this whole time that have been supporting this show uh by just like Andrew Layton going over to patreon.com slash exam And yes, I know this sounds like a pitch, but I'm trying to get the pitch part and the thank you part kind of combined. So I don't repeat the same information, just deal with it. I'm sincere in both things. Uh, but Andrew, Andrew tossed in a paltry sum of $2, got this episode written around him and so have so many other uh, supporters. I'm trying to think legitimately when the last time we had an episode that wasn't driven by Patreon
1: it's been uh, a while.
0: Yeah. I'm like I'm going through all of the tabs on my giant excel working document right now. Uh episode 20 was the one uh it it so it must have been the one where Kelly Thompson uh episode 26 where we took Kelly Thompson's requests. Yeah. But even then that was sandwiched between uh Patreon Patreon uh shoot it might have been back to uh no it was the christmas episode the okay. christmas episode was the last time we did a non-patreon request and that was back at like 21 was the last time we just had to make an episode up wow. so i say that just to say your guys's support has been absolutely mind-blowing uh not that i think either of us need the money or anything like that the show would run without it but the fact that you guys are willing to toss a couple dollars this way to support what you like and what you've enjoyed in the stuff that we spend time doing, it means a lot. Sincerely, thank you. And everyone who doesn't support, this is not a guilt trip, but thank you so much. I am a numbers geek and I've been watching the podcast stats like a hawk constantly. And there has been a huge number of people who have jumped on in the last couple of months that thank you guys so much for checking out i know you've been going through and catching up on all the other episodes because i saw those numbers on those old episodes shoot up too uh and then also for the people who have been here from the beginning uh you definitely got through some rough podcasting uh me and just, (laughs) just getting getting it sorted out but thank you so much for making it this far it's been This has been one of the coolest things I've been able to do uh, in my time doing all of this stupid X-Men stuff. So thanks, guys. Oh, and one last thank you. Adam. Hello. (laughs) Adam,
1: I didn't know if you were done.
0: I I thought I was. I gave a dramatic pause, and then I waited. (laughs) But Adam, thank you for doing this show with me. It's been super cool to get to know you. And yeah, it's been fun. Here's to more.
1: Yeah. Um, and I just want to echo that. Uh, thank you to everybody who's listening and Zach, thanks for inviting me on this. Um, I had been joking around with, you know, a a friend of mine last summer about he was looking to get into podcasting. And, uh, so was I, this came along at just the perfect time. I'm so glad that the show is, uh, is, you know, succeeding the way it is and that it's continuing on. And, um, you know, it's just really fun. So thanks to everybody who's listening. Thanks to anybody who's reading my webcomic, Bish and Jubes. And, uh, you know, maybe the, uh, the further adventures of the Battle of Adam crew uh, continue.
0: Yeah, it's it's been great. Uh, next week, I can tell you we've got, we've got some stuff going on. Uh, I don't actually, we haven't nailed it down yet. We're actually recording these a few weeks in the future. So we might have a guest or we might be talking about the Murder Grandpas. Who knows? <laughs>
1: the murder grandpas might be our guests
0: the murder <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's hope but not. i can i can tell you well <laughs> yeah seriously let's hope not but in the next in the next of episodes that we have uh planned out i can tell you we've got at least two really exciting guests that i am so thrilled to share with you guys we've got some avx stuff we've got uh we've got some stuff with chamber We've got a uh we've got an X-Men story from the Silver Age and the Golden Age and well not the Golden Age. We don't have that, the one story that we could count. Uh, but we got a lot of fun stuff. Like, get excited. I'm looking I'm looking at the next ten episodes that we have planned out right now, and they all look like bangers, dudes. This is gonna be good. <laughs> yeah.
1: And and if you have ideas, let us know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's been fun thanks for uh dealing with an extra long podcast episode hopefully it was enjoyable for you but until next time this has been battle of the atom we hope you survived the experience